NCAA football today from Memorial Stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska, Oklahoma, and Nebraska. The Swift Sooners will be led by the great Billy Not this time. You are looking live at the Schooner Pod for a special mini episode celebrating the return of OU Nebraska Sooners heading up to Lincoln. Uh, And let's be honest, I think the Huskers are about as close to rock bottom as it gets. Scott Frost fired after three games uh, after an abysmal loss to Georgia Southern. Um, But the Sooners rolling in. Brent Venable's first road game. I don't know. Could this be a trap game? Sometimes <laughs> sometimes the night is darkest before the dawn. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Probably not this time. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. <laughs> With me, we got, as always, Jameson Maxwell, Ty Lee. We're here for a special mini-sode, as I said. And uh, guys, um, first off, how are you feeling about this game? Is there... Has your excitement waned a little bit from the Huskers being absolute, you know, dog water, Jameson? Yes, it really has. It's it's a bummer because this is the situation where it's, I mean, what do you have to gain from this game? You know, in terms of the national uh, spotlight, we've played two crap teams, one on ESPN Plus. I know Bobby likes to thought of the ESPN Plus package, Ooh. but um, but for the majority part, this is going to be the first time that the national uh, media and public sees Oklahoma on a big stage being this on big noon at 11 a.m. on Fox. And like, we have to play Nebraska who just sacked their coach three weeks before his buyout and their stock has never been lower. Honestly, what, what do we have to gain from this? If we crush them, they're just going to be like, Oh, Nebraska is a broken team. That's already just crappy. Like I, I just, I just, it's a shame really because in Nebraska would have came through and actually won the games they should have rather than lose to two really, really inferior opponents. One Northwestern team that lost to Duke this weekend and then don't even get started on Clay Helton, George Southern. Like this would be a lot more fun and really create some eyeballs that we know, we know college football in terms of uh, voting and the college football playoff committee there's a lot of eye test in this and we really could have used a little bit of extra uh, jewelry and bling um, with this W. Yeah. North uh, Northwestern Nebraska's done us absolutely no favors here by being absolute dog water. And to be fair, they didn't, they didn't, we didn't plan on this. We, when we scheduled and Bo Pelini had them, you know, making big 10 titles, uh, you know, they were a, at least a nine win team every single year. And now they're just completely in the dumpster. And, and it's weird thinking about this, but I remember talking about when Scott Frost got hired, like, is how good is Nebraska going to be? Is this going to look good when we get to him? And now he's not even playing. He's not even coaching this one. So, yeah, it's uh, definitely not a lot to gain from it. But I think, you know, for a, a sect of older Sooners who remember like the 90s where Tom Osborne just shellacked us by 70 uh, every year, I think there will be some joy if the Sooners get a massive win here, but I don't know. Um, Ty, what are you thinking about this game? Is, is there any, is there any hype for this at all? I, I, I cannot believe that Jamison gave me the lead in that he did uh, a little. This is what it's about, right? Jamison oh, just gave you guys a whole lead a in bill. about how college. Yeah. For the listeners, I'm, I'm holding up some money. Jamison just gave you guys a whole lead in and Bobby did too, about how it's not a meaningful game. It's not, they're not competitive. Everyone knows we're going to win the game, blah, blah, blah. 
I'm going to go on my soapbox again, like I've been doing since before all of this NIL and everything else. College football is not about winning the game. I like, I hate to break this to you in the NFL either. If, if you guys are not aware of this, right, it's entertainment. It's not, it, nothing is gained. No money is made. Nothing is done by putting the ball in the end zone. Like you win the game that does nothing. It's entertainment value and it's money. And here's the thing about this game. Even if Nebraska is not good, which they aren't, they are absolute garbage at the game of football and I think everything else objectively. I I do appreciate their commitment to their uniforms. I'm a big uniform traditionalist. Uh, I I appreciate their commitment to uniforms. That's all they do good. The older Sooners, the older Sooner alums, because people our age, Nebraska has never really been. I think we played them in the last Big 12 championship before they – they moved on. What would that be? 2010. And, and we Correct. beat them, but really in our lifetimes, Nebraska has never really been relevant. Shout out to Bo Pelini. He never should have left. Uh, he's like Nebraska's, um, you know, he's probably their best coach they've ever had, but, uh, <laughs> at, at Nebraska, but uh, oh, no. the, the older, the older Sooners, <laughs> right? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let me get back on track and, and wrap this up. The older Sooners and a lot of the donor base, a lot of the people that are given serious money, donation-wise to this program, grew up in a time where Nebraska was good, good. And I'm not talking about the 90s when OU was bad and and Nebraska was was still pretty decent, when Scott Frost was a player for a couple years at, at Nebraska. I'm talking about, you know, a little bit, not to not to say that our, our donors and, and a lot of our people that are, are given serious money are, are necessarily old, but OU Nebraska, you know, we're going back, we're talking about games that people said, this is the game of the century. This is one of the most competitive college football games of all time. We can't believe these two teams are being matched up in the regular season. They're going to face each other again in the postseason, back when the postseason was even more subjective and eye-testy than it is now. So it, it really, there's a whole big base at OU of people that no matter how good or bad Nebraska is, Nebraska is their main rival. There's a lot of people of yeah. some of the older generations that see Nebraska as a more serious rival than than Texas. And it, so maybe not a lot, but there's definitely a sect of people that uh, that still think that way. And they they lament every single day and every single season the loss of this uh, competition with Nebraska. Certainly, I think I, I consider Nebraska more of an OU rival than Oklahoma State. Uh, yeah, I agree. And, and we'll I'm not, just, saying, later, I'm not just saying that to stir the pot with Cowboys, which I love to do. But there's a lot of people that care super deeply about this game. And yeah. Beating Nebraska in 2022 is kind of like when we kicked around the Italians in World War II and then claiming that we beat the Roman Empire, right? It's not exactly the same. They're not what they used to be, but it was still nice to kick them around. You know, we still had a good time doing it. So uh, I wasn't there, but I I, I hear that we did. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's Fair it. Enough. That's the clip. No. Now there's your clip moment. That's Ty. the clip. That's, that's I love the clip. It. That needs to be a quote right there. Like, Tom, get on that, buddy. Get on that quote right there. We need that posted all all across social media because that is gold um but no you're right it, it this is a game that is purely nostalgia based you know it um at this point uh nebraska has completely faded out of the public conscious in a way and is really just kind of a brand that hasn't been there they are OU in the 90s this is a a, a literal husk of themselves um which is yes just, just really sad which is really Pun sad because thought. Because it's it, it's a fan base that absolutely deserves winning football. It deserves success because that's a fan base that's really damn good. Um, but, you know, I will say I'm excited. I'm going to be in Lincoln this weekend. And uh, I was at the last one uh, in 2009 when, when Indomitian Sioux 
and all them completely swamped Landry Jones and crew. Uh, so I'm excited to go back. Um, I'm, I, that was one of my favorite memories uh, growing up. My dad, just a truly great experience. Um, so even just throw the results, throw, throw the records out. I'm still pumped about it. Um, but you know, this is a team that's really on down times. It's it, this is, this is as bad as it gets. So I want to kind of talk about Nebraska going forward, how this team is. So obviously frost out, they couldn't even wait the extra three weeks to, uh, save half of their money on the buyout. They, they basically burnt millions of dollars just to get rid of him in his place. Um, wide receivers coach, Mickey Joseph, the same coach who, uh, came in, coached up, uh, Jamar chase, Justin Jefferson at LSU. He has had a long tenure, been all around, uh, I believe coached was a head coach at UCO for a while. Um, coached at, uh, Langston in Oklahoma as well. Um, but his biggest Oklahoma tie and the thing I'm most nervous about 32 years ago, he was playing, on, uh, the he was playing as Nebraska's quarterback on Owen field. And uh, shout out to my guy, Nick Tindall, for bringing this to my attention. Uh, got pushed into the sideline on a late hit and broke his leg on a bench uh, at Owen Field. So oh, everybody no. on Husker Twitter is like, this is Mickey Joseph's revenge game. That we, oh, broke no. the head, we broke the interim head coach's leg. Is that, I don't know about y'all, but that is, uh, has immediately given me bad vibes about this game. Ugh. Wait. Wait, I might be totally fumbling the math here. Is he the quarterback that Scott Frost replaced at Nebraska? It would have been uh, 10 years uh, uh, prior to, to Frost. Okay. Never, uh, yeah, yeah, I fumbled the math. So Frost no, played good. later than I thought. But that would have been yeah. really funny. That would have been a really funny. That would have been a weird, a weird coincidence. Cool. But true. God, that, yeah. that just spooks me even more about this, Bobby, because it seems like Mickey Joseph was like the guy that everyone respected in the locker room. There's a like a standing ovation, like everyone was in very high, you know, mood. Even after this loss, that whenever it was announced that Mickey Joseph was going to be the interim head coach, like this Nebraska team was very behind it. That already was scary enough to me. Then you add in he has Oklahoma history, and then this whole ugh, broken leg thing. Man, like, I mean, I'm not pegging this as a blowout this weekend, guys. I'm I'm a little bit nervous now about in terms of just not blowing him out, but maybe looking a little bit worse than I thought we were going to. Yeah, because apparently this is a, a play that for years people have been like, OU is so dirty, they hurt Mickey Joseph. Like Switzer and those dirty bastards pushed him into the sideline. And because if we look at the replay, it's it's very obvious, like it's a bad late hit. Uh obviously it's not like they went over and broke his leg like that, but like it's it's something that makes sense to kind of hold a vendetta against, I guess, if you're in Nebraska. Um, I mean, maybe other than the fact that it was 32 years ago, but this is a rivalry where you have vendettas. I still hear people complain about how uh, Johnny Rogers uh, kick return in 1972. There was a clip right there and it was very obvious. And you know, I, I don't know, this is a type of rivalry where you hold on to that sort of stuff. So having a guy like him in charge that has the locker room, that's scary. That is scary. I, I would say that's arguably more scary than a our coach almost or is about to get fired. We need to win one to keep his job. Uh, uh, we are ass, and this guy is really likable. Let's go out and try to play really hard for him. I don't know. I think that's uh, more dangerous. No, because here's the thing, right? He has his he has his reasons maybe for a vendetta, but now 
he has challenged us because we'll use old analogies because this is an old rivalry. He's challenged us to an old Western duel, but he's shown up with the Nebraska Cornhuskers as his, he's shown up with a water gun. Okay. And we're showing up with a tank to this duel that he's challenged us to uh, for reasons uh, that he has, I guess, personally, I guess, I, you know, I, I, did OU play dirty? I, we probably didn't even have aluminum benches back then. So you're telling me he just some uh, some some scrap wood was stronger than him? I don't know. This you can blame like us the for the 90s, Ty. That's like... not not 32 years ago was not the 90s. 32 years ago because it's 2022 was at least the uh, 89, right? Is my math correct? Or I guess 1990? Uh, maybe he, math. It, was, it depends it was on when the game. It was 1980. Yeah, so, so was the, this was the eighties. Mickey I don't Joseph, know if they, are we talking? Wait, are we talking about when Mickey Joseph got hit? By, did that have aluminum in the eighties? He, he no, he played it. He was played in eighty eight. When did to they discover aluminum? Wait, I don't think that's they had aluminum. On, are we that's what it. That's what it says on Wikipedia, and he's uh, fifty four years old. Okay, so maybe, maybe I, I'm totally wrong here. I might be what totally is a is aluminum let's, on the periodic table? <laughs> He injured his leg by breaking uh, breaking his leg early in the first quarter of the Oklahoma game in uh, okay I don't nineteen ninety yes nineteen ninety is what it is maybe you okay. just had a typo so on the eight versus the nine mm. great podcast see aluminum aluminum is number I know. thirteen forgetting what forgetting what math is aluminum great. is thirteen on the periodic table which I think means <laughs> they discovered it thirteen years ago which was two thousand nine. Oh god! So if Nebraska think, fans get a hold of this, they're gonna have a. I don't field think they had. <laughs> but, anyways, so, so beef, so, so beef and bad vibes aside, let's break on. Let's break into the game here. Um, all right, so let, let's just look at Nebraska. Obviously, they're a very flawed team. The offense, not awful. Casey Thompson can move the ball down the field a little bit, but the defense is atrocious. Jameson, looking at that defense, especially seeing what Georgia Southern uh, did to him, do you think this is a chance for Jeff Levy to really kind of uncork his offense and just kind of let loose on the Huskers? My God, I hope so. I really do. Um, but we said that last week versus Kent State. We said, like like I said on the last podcast, if you haven't listened to our Kent State reaction podcast, go take a listen to that. Uh, we said it with Michael Penix. Like, this guy just destroyed Kent State's defense. We should just let loose. And here we are. We don't score until the very last minute of the second half. I mean, the first half. You know, that's unacceptable. So, I mean... We've got a lot to prove in terms of our development for this game. Even if Nebraska has had bad showings on defense, we need to go out there and do what we need to do as an offensive line and as you know the play callers on Jeff Levy. Uh, I mean, the defense hopefully would come up with this new rejuvenation. Uh, I guess not hopefully, but they sh- they'll be newly rejuvenated uh, as a team behind a leader that they believe in and coming out for a big, you know, rivalry game on a weekend. I mean, uh, uh, national television, you think that the defense would be fired up here too. Yeah, no, I, I think there's a lot of energy there and a, a really big opportunity to prove ourselves. Uh, Ty, what do you think? Do you think this is a chance for the offense to really blow up? Uh, yeah, I think, and I'm not even trying to do this as a bit. If this comes down to a quarterback battle between, uh, Casey Clay Thompson and uh, and 
Dylan Gabriel, hey, we're screwed. Hey, he's a better quarterback, and I've, I've been known to, to hate on him. But at this point, I kind of wish we had him because I, I think he would fit our system because he can make decisions. Tune wow. into our Kent State, wow. tune into our Kent State podcast. I, he's uh, joined that, me wow. on the Casey Thompson. I love Casey. I'm not love. Well, I, I really thing, do right? like put, Casey Thompson. Put Casey Thompson, put Casey Thompson in Dylan Gabriel's shoes you know going back to ucf anyone can put up numbers and in the situation that was happening there and then i think i dylan gabriel going from texas and then up to, to up to nebraska now but that's a that's a moot point for this uh i think uh you know i'm 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 worried about our offense i'm not worried about us winning this game i think uh you know i, I their coach obviously has has the locker room buy-in uh but our coach does too and that's that's the thing is it you know you can make the the argument that our coach has not been a head coach for more than two games but their coach i don't think he's ever been a head coach beyond the high school level uh ever so i I think langston okay so i i think we win we win on the coaching front certainly i think we win on on the motivation front i i know you can sort of hopefully you know turn around some motivation within the nebraska locker room but i I think they picked Scott Frost needed to go. I think I, I would hate to be in their 80s shoes, but I think they made a terrible decision because they could have, they, they, there, it wasn't going to make a difference this game. I really don't think they could have saved themselves a lot of money by not firing him before the OU game. I don't know how you came across this decision. I guess I, my only assumption would be that they're, their current coach, uh, their current interim coach. I think he's going to do a great job, but I, I don't think they're planning on him as as uh, the guy that's going to stay there for long. So I guess maybe if you're going into the open market, you want to get him out of there as as soon as you can and, and start to make your sale to uh, to Urban Meyer, to Brian Kelly, someone that's going to be open for a job here pretty soon. <laughs> I, the thing is, wow, like, there are, like people are saying, like, oh, they did it earlier, so the recruits would have kind of a better idea moving forward into you know early signing day what's the difference between doing it october 1st like it's not it's not going to be that big of a difference and they're not going to know who the head coach is for probably the whole rest of the season they're not going to hire some big name like nebraska should do um in the middle of the season just for them to pop in you know urban myers is going to hop in the middle of like october to coach the rest of the nebraska team that's just not feasible um i mean Colt well it depends it depends it, it, yeah. for big noon. It can hop off and uh, get the interview right there. That's just, we'll it's, just, it's just silly. Like, like they have a bye next week, and then their next game is on October 1st. Like, you're setting up this coach for a game that where Oklahoma is t- like sixth team in the nation and is favored to you know beat you by double digits. That's just not a good start for an interim head coach. And you could have just waited to after that bye week and you could have fired him right after uh, the Indiana game on October 1st. That's $6 million. Like, I know I am a cheap person that I will attach a coupon to get me 20 cents off of my Amazon order every single time. And I'm the person who will wait 15 extra minutes on Lyft to get the extra dollar off or the wait and save. <laughs> like, like trust me, I, I love saving money. But, like, like this is just common. This is $6 million. And the season's dead already. I, I fully agree with you. I don't, I don't know. I mean, technically, they could still make the Big Ten championship, but, like, <laughs> they're done. They're done, man. This Nebraska team is, by all accounts, a dumpster fire. And 
I, I don't know if there's any way that I, I God love him. Mickey Joseph. I don't think he can do it. I think that's just too big of a turnaround. Um, the only thing that worries me about him are vibes. The vibes seem like that could be an issue. How many times, and I, I've already said it, but like, I'm just going to say this. How many times Jameis said, have we gone into an OU Texas game where we're like, you know, Charlie Strong is awful. He's done here. We're going to fire or we're going to walk in and beat him and, you know, get get him sacked or the exact same thing with Mac Brown that one time. I, I don't know. I don't like the idea of a coach, you know, fighting for his life. And then the, the inverse of like, this guy has an opportunity to make it big. We can really do it for coach. I hate it, but. Hey everybody, it's Bobby Howard. And before we start the show, I just kind of want to talk to y'all for a second. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of college football preview podcasts and you know, it's, it's really been great. It's gotten me hyped for the season. And one reason it's been great to listen to is because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge, trust me. Raycons give you eight hours of playtime and a 32 hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycons everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. You know, I really like the versatility of Raycons. If you're really wanting to lock in, really just immerse yourself in what you're doing, that is where the noise isolation feature comes in. Just block everything out. It's great. But you know what? Sometimes you can't just, you know, shell yourself off. So that's where you go to awareness mode, where you can have some audio come in. You can do errands. You can act like a normal human being and uh, still listen to what you want. So I feel like that's actually pretty great. The Raycons really are great, though, whenever I'm not editing the podcast. Just kick back, listen to some red dirt. Feels like you're right in the middle of Kane's ballroom. It's great. I love it. So look, if you want to be like me, jump on the Raycon train. Go to buyraycon.com slash TPPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash TPPN to score 15% off. One more time, that is buyraycon.com slash TPPN. Use promo code TPPN15. That's TPPN15. The NFL's opening week was action-packed, and it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any team in the NFL to win, and if your team leads by 10 at any point in the game, you get paid instantly, even if that team ends up losing. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Now, back to the Schooner Pod. Other than that, that's all I have um, in terms of, like, Nebraska worries. Um, I'm not too worried about Casey Thompson. Uh, obviously, new staff. Office, yeah, let's talk yeah, about let's, Yeah, let's take a look at, at some of the – I know we love our, our sort of uh, uh, bits, but let's, let's take a look at some of the, the – the actual threats that Nebraska is going to present to our team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Jameson, what do you have? 
I, I told you all this to be after the first game. I think that really I will develop my opinion of the defense as a whole after this game. Because even though Nebraska's had some bad losses, they've shown a lot on offense where I, I can see some pretty good points here. Obviously, their defense is their biggest issue. But Casey Thompson has played pretty well so far this season. And they have two really damn good wide receivers that it's really going to test our, our cornerbacks. Um, if you guys don't know about him, Marcus Washington, one of Casey Thompson's best friend, transferred from Texas, uh, had 123 yards versus Georgia Southern. And then Trey Palmer, I'm pretty sure LSU tra- transfer, I believe. Uh Correct. He's an absolute dud. Uh, those are two forces where it's going to be testing Jaden Davis and Woody Washington on the outside. This is not just this ordinary game where we play a team. You know, we play like a Texas Tech, and they're only they only have like Eric as a comma um, that we have to worry about. We have two really good wide receivers that we're going to have to scheme around here that are no joke. Yeah. No. And you know, I mean, you're right. They still have some of that. You know, that energy. We. We've, we've seen what they can do against competition, you know, like that, you know, that Northwestern game that up until that weird, awful onside, things were going pretty good for them. They looked pretty all right. Uh, maybe not scary, but they looked all right. They looked capable. So, no, you're right. There are some weapons there. And Ty, obviously, you're a big fan of Casey Thompson. Yeah, just now. <laughs> game time decision. But uh, when I started to, when I started to consider who we had. Uh, I was like, oh, maybe he's not that bad of an option. But yeah, that's the thing we we have to remember is, um, like like Jamison mentioned, Trey Palmer, uh, an LSU transfer, started playing at LSU in 2019, so he has tasted OU blood before. I, I think he only registered one reception in all of 2019. I don't think he ever played against OU, but he he uh, he has tasted OU defeat before and and knows it. And then uh, Casey Thompson. Uh, has never beat us, but he he certainly has given us fits. Uh, in addition to, like Jamison said, Marcus Washington, their other main receiver. So they have some guys that OU fans should be should be wary of. I mean, uh, Casey Thompson and, and Marcus Washington alone. You know, just presenting that that uh, threat to us is something that's familiar, but something that we have defeated repeatedly in in the past. And then Trey Palmer, you know, it's it's more of a bit. Uh, that he was on on LSU, but uh, their receiver coach on that 2019 LSU team that uh, handily defeated OU with with Joe Burrow and, and their super team is also Nebraska's interim head coach, which we didn't mention. So uh, you guys talk about his time at, as a quarterback at Nebraska and uh, his his maybe hatred for OU. Maybe he got that out, or maybe he got his revenge back in his his LSU time. But yeah, certainly there is a obviously a lot to be. Uh, a, a lot to, to wish for on this Nebraska team. Uh, or if you're a Nebraska fan, I think the running back is also a transfer from uh, Florida state, which is, uh, you know, like maybe impressive, maybe not, but uh, yeah, this Nebraska team, there's a lot to be, to be wished for still, but they, they certainly have some tools or, or some talent that they can use to, to give us fits if things work out for them. Yeah, no. And as we saw last year, it's a team that, you know, has the ability to get up for these type of games. You know, they aren't, you know, completely a bunch of bums. You know, they they they, they went down to the wire with Michigan. They went down to the wire with Ohio State. They went down to the wire with OU and Norman. So, you know, they're, they're capable of it when they're motivated, when they're confident. And, you know, maybe they get it figured out. Who knows? But um, we haven't really done a lot of this uh, talking on the OU side of things. Um, 
So, Jameson, uh, I'll just say this. Which Sooner do you think has a chance to really have a big day here? Um, or actually, Ty, I'll, I'll switch it up. Ty, who do you think has a big chance of having a big uh, big day here? I feel like this is kind of a weird one to go with, and I think this one uh, a lot of people could argue. But here's here's my justification. I think the defense is firmly settled. I think people have already found their roles, found their little niche in the talent pool or the, or the talent puzzle, uh, we'll say, and, and they found where they fit. I think on most of – I think the running backs have found where they fit with each other and where they fit in the defense. I think the receivers have definitely – already found where they fit and are really, really clicking, super excited about them. I think that you can really make the argument that the people that still on OU side have a name to make for themselves and have a reputation to establish or some hype to establish could be anyone on the defensive line or the defensive line, or I'm sorry, the, the offensive line or the offensive line as a unit. But I think if you were to pick one name, I think Dylan Gabriel, his stats have been good if you just look at the stats in the past couple games. But if you eye test it, go back to our Kent State preview that we just recorded and was released earlier this week if you're not listening on podcasts uh, to, to hear some more talk about that. But I think Dylan Gabriel really has an opportunity here with our first his first Power 5 opponent uh, as an OU player to really cement himself and say, no, I am an Oklahoma quarterback because he's come in He's been a, an excellent addition to our team. We certainly wouldn't uh, want to go without him uh, with, with the people that we currently have. And he's been good. His stats have been pretty decent, but they're just there hasn't been the eye test and there hasn't been that moment. There hasn't been that spark of Sooner Magic uh, from him yet. And I, I don't think that right now you would look at him or look at any of his clips and go, that is an Oklahoma quarterback. And we know we're very spoiled at Oklahoma when it comes to quarterbacks, but I think that especially against Nebraska. They're not that good this year. They have everything going against them, but they still have that brand name that OU fans can recognize. And, and maybe some, a lot of people nationally can recognize, especially if they're a little bit older. I think that this is a perfect opportunity with Nebraska leaving a lot to be hoped for defensively for Dylan Gabriel to go out there and say, I am an Oklahoma quarterback. I transferred in yeah. whatever else, but I, I've been doing okay, but now I'm going to live up to the expectation and the reputation of a, of a quarterback at the University of Oklahoma. It, it's it's his chance to take a jump from, like as Jameson has been describing him on uh, previous episodes, a B-tier guy to potentially an A-tier, you know, fringe Heisman guy. It's the big stage. Everyone's going to be watching it. I don't think there are any other good games on at 11 a.m. I, I know I usually make that joke about UTAP and Kent State, but this is going to be a big game. If not for nostalgia's sake, people will be watching this. Um, so, it, you know, it's it's a chance for Gabriel to really take that star turn for sure. Um, Jameson, who who do you have as potentially making a massive, massive game here? See, I disagree with you. I think the uh, Texas State-Baylor game is a game I'll be having my eyes on in that 11 a.m. <laughs> slot. Um, really lazy. What channel, is that, that what, what channel is that on, Jameson? Is that Fox on, Sports 1, baby. Cool. Corn cob TV. I don't know. Yeah, I was Fox gonna say I will, one. No, I they will got be, a good time slot. There you go. I wow. will be watching uh Georgia go, absolutely dismantle Spencer Rattler for personal reasons. <laughs> Fair enough. At eleven a.m. Anyways, um, James. But, but but yeah, I, I think Ty hit it. The, the game that um the player that we're really looking to have a breakout game is Dylan Gabriel. Uh 
I feel like the guys that we're kind of looking forward to this year of having like breakout performances have kind of either had a moderate performance or like a good performance these past couple of weeks. But Dylan Gabriel, even though he threw for three touchdowns um, and had a good completion percentage for his Kent State, it seemed like it just wasn't sexy enough. It seems like he should have done more. It seemed like he could have had four touchdowns, and that seems about right versus the Kent State defense. I wanted to put up a four-touchdown performance against Nebraska. Go show the world that, like, hey, I understand this is a new era of Oklahoma football, and we, like Ty said, this is um, he wants to be like a, a University of Oklahoma quarterback that everyone likes to see that puts up big numbers and is always on the front of national media. Um, I still think he can be in that area. He might not be Heisman, like you said, Bobby, but I mean, in terms of the college football landscape, I think top 10 quarterback is very, very attainable because there's not too much quarterback talent in college football right now. And other than the guys at the top, Uh, I think Dylan Gabriel can do it this game. I think he's set up for success on a big stage and he has the composure to do it. Let's just see if he makes his decisions fast and um, his wide receivers and offensive line make it a little bit easier for him. Yeah, no, I I agree. I, I think we all agree that Gabriel is the guy. This is his stage. Um, but one thing I think, I think the defense, you know, against what is pretty solid competition, because no matter what Nebraska has been, you know, obviously not great at times, but the offense has been a consistent good point for them. If a guy like Stutzman, or Billy Bowman can have a really good performance and show like, Hey, this OU team is different. I, I don't know. I, I think that's a really good opportunity for them to step up. Will they? I don't know. Um, but I, I, I feel like the defense, um, this is an opportunity to really showcase any changes there for sure. Honorable so mention for Woody Washington as well, Bobby, I think on the defense, um, but the, with yeah. the wide receiver play, we need to see like him and Jaden Davis have a good games. Yeah, absolutely. Massive test for both of those guys. But um, let's end this one with one question. So this rivalry, this is a lot, not the last we'll see of it for a while. Um, already a, another home and home scheduled for 2029, 2030, I believe. But I, I got to say with the move to the SEC happening and some changes going on overall, overall in the landscape of college football, let's say hypothetically, OU definitely has a rivalry rotator every year. Are y'all going with OSU doing Bedlam or, or I don't know, or are y'all like kind of old heads wanting to go with uh, Nebraska? Because I, I know I have my opinion, but um, I don't know. So Ty, if you had to have a non-conference rivalry game every se- season, who do you go with? Yeah. Um, if I had to pick between the two, because uh, I'd prefer we just absolutely demolish Missouri every year, just so they get an extra <laughs> loss on their record. Uh, because kick out, kick out, kick but, out uh, Missouri from the SEC, just so we can have a non-conference with them. Yeah, I think, I think in, I think in total, yeah. Well, they shouldn't be in the SEC at all. They should Rele- be, relegate them to the. Yeah. Like, should be in the, the Big Belt, East, which is as yeah. in they shouldn't upgrade. exist anymore. Um, Our man Boaten Blake's gonna hear it about that K State fade. But anyways, Ooh, yeah, yeah, as he should. Um, if I had to pick between Missouri and Oklahoma State, uh, certainly it's Oklahoma State. I mean, I, I, again, I'll make the argument all day that if we had to protect a rivalry, it is Texas all day. I, I do not care about necessarily Oklahoma State. But I love playing in Stillwater, and I don't think that they're a bit as big of a rival as, as OSU fans uh, believe. OSU's only actual rival is Tulsa. 
Uh, I don't know why they keep trying to claim that we are, but um, yeah, I would, I would prefer to keep OSU over Nebraska because in, in your scenario, and obviously I'm expanding the scenario that you've presented, you know, I'm, I'm extrapolating outside of the box, but then we don't have an in-state rival. Well, I mean, we wouldn't have an in-state rival uh, anyways, but I, I'll preserve the in-state and I love the atmosphere in Stillwater. I've never been to Lincoln, Nebraska for a game, but uh, I, I think Stillwater, Oklahoma, when OU is in town is one of the best atmospheres in all of it is just pure college football uh, atmosphere. And, and I just, I love it. I really, if, if it was, if I could choose to play Nebraska at home and Nebraska in Norman every other year, and then OSU in Stillwater every other year, that would be my cheating the question answer. I think that's fair. And I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I, I would absolutely take Nebraska every time. Um, not that I don't think Bedlam's great. I think it's a really good rivalry. Um, but overall to me, I think looking at these two rivalries, what which, which one made college football lesser losing it? And to me, losing OU Nebraska, I think significantly impacted the sport overall. I think losing that game from Thanksgiving, you know, was almost like take it, it's like taking away the Iron Bowl entirely it's like taking away ohio state michigan on my in, my in my opinion if you look at it historically not just forget about how bad about how bad nebraska has been forget about like everything pre-2010 hell having them not play every year in you know when they moved to the big 12 uh when they expanded it up in the big eight i think that was a massive loss it is college football to its core i know it's i know it hasn't been for a while but because it's taken so long, I know it's taken a long time and it hasn't felt like OU Nebraska anymore. I, I, I get it. I get the dissonance, but at its core, it's something that I think college football, you know, really needs. I think it's a great game. And I, I don't know. I, I think there's, there's something different to it. There's this weird respect between, between the two fan bases that I think makes the rivalry particularly special. Um, a weird similarity to it. And I know maybe I'm chasing ghost. I know maybe I'm chasing the past, but Nebraska to me, I think naturally should be, OU Nebraska should be a part of college football. It should be an active part of it. Uh, hands down, especially because Bedlam's only good in Stillwater, honestly, and we still win anyways. So. Well, it's still a know. good game sometimes, but it's still a good game, but we still win. I, I, so I mean, I, yeah, I just, I find OU Nebraska way more interesting than Bedlam. I do have a quick rebuttal before Jamison goes, but I think the OU Nebraska would be more exciting if Nebraska upheld their end of the bargain. And I think that they would fall off based on the decisions they've made. They were going to fall off either way. So I, I think this one would still be, you know, as nationally eh, as it is now, because it's an out of conference, you know, marquee matchup, big 12, big 10 with all the conference moves and stuff. And it's still like, eh. and that's because Nebraska, that's not because, anything else if nebraska upheld their end of the bargain you know and was even a top 25 team uh perennially you know say they maintain bo Pelini, this game would be massive this would be college game day no question this would be everyone across the nation is excited to tune in nebraska playing ou every year is or not playing ou every year i think is not the issue it's the fact that nebraska has has fallen off and i think whether they played ou every year or not that doesn't change that it's, you know, it's been in the ball has been in their court and they have dropped the ball with their decisions. I I think, you know, yeah, if, if Nebraska was still good, I 
100% agree with your argument, Bobby, but they're not. And I don't think that their being bad has anything to do with whether they played us or not. Yeah. And I, I also, I'll, I'll kick this to Jameson very soon. I promise. But I also think that Nebraska losing the OU rivalry every year, I think that took a lot from their identity. I think it took a lot from their national shine because after they kind of faded away after, uh, you know, the Osborne years into the Solich years, um, you know, that was their OU Texas. That was their thing. They didn't have another OU Texas. They had OU Nebraska and that was their thing. OU still had OU Texas to lean, lean, lean back on. So to me, I think it really took them out of the national consciousness. Um, and it was, it was something that hurt them. So I, I, I think that had a small part to play in their downfall, but Jameson, I'm sorry. Me and Ty have been going back and forth for a while. Your thoughts on the issue. No, I was enjoying it. Here's here's the correct answer to this. If you could preserve the rivalry, spare um, me. T- <laughs> Ty didn't, didn't like this. I think this is just a combination spare of what y'all are saying. Um, if you had to say, um, if the question was, can I go back in time and made the Nebraska rivalry stay every single year since then versus Oklahoma State every single year for the foreseeable future, we'd go back and you know change time and say, Nebraska, we should be playing them every single year. That's the answer. But I'm sorry, that's not it anymore. And we can't try to scrap at that old, you know, oh, but it was like this back in the day and there's so much history. But to be completely honest with you, you know, that history will start to fade even more and more. And looking at it right now, we can see it. It's faded a lot. And in 10 more years, it's going to fade a substantial amount. When we play them again for our next thing, that Nebraska OU rivalry is going to feel even farther away. But the reality, Oklahoma State's rivalry with OU will always be prominent due to location. There's going to be kids who go to school um, and they're going to have a couple of Oklahoma State fans or if it's a predominant OSU fan school, there's going to be a lot of kids that have Oklahoma fans in their school. And that's where you start rivalries. It's these kids growing up and having this kind of bickering in grade school, middle school, high school, and then they grow up and those are their friends that they're having rivalries with. It's it's just Nebraska. They're not going to be Oklahoma and Nebraska fans going to school together and, and having that same kind of back and forth. Um, I, I just It's hard to choose against an in-state rivalry. I think that's a very fair point. Um, the fact that, you know, the – the past and the kind of inability to make it back. Um, yeah, no, I, I think you're, I think that's a very, very well, you know, well thought out point. I think that's probably, you know, despite me being a massive, 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 like history buff and, you know, almost uh, too much of a romantic of college football history. I think that's honestly the real, the realist middle ground, honest point of what, it, what should be done. Um, Ty was scoffing at my little preface on that. Come on. Look, I even got Bobby to turn a little bit. <laughs> no. And, and I'll even say this. I'll even say this too. Like, I, I think there's a matter of if that's even possible, if Oklahoma state even wants to continue the rivalry and they um, don't and they don't. So maybe, maybe that choice also in reality has kind of been made for us. So, um, mm. I don't and know that. And then the, the whole argument of will we even be, have the ability to sustain a non-conference opponent into the expanded sec? What's the we sec going to look like in the future? You know, how many non-conference opponents are we going to have? You know, are, are we going to only have two non-conference opponents in the sec in the new scheme of things? Like there's conversations about that with scheduling. Um, so it just makes things really kind of dicey to where is it really strategic, even though it'd be fun to have in Nebraska every single year, would it just be better to play Mercer in the Citadel like Alabama does? 
Well, yeah, I understand I, Alabama just played Texas, but I mean, still, you, you get what yeah. I'm getting at. Yeah, I, I know, but like, I, I look at like Florida, Georgia, or sorry, Florida, Florida State, uh, Georgia, Georgia Tech, as, um, and then obviously Clemson and South Carolina as uh, two uh, as three yes. examples of it working. All and I three think of that, the same state. That that's that's the thing. We would love to take on OSU. If we kept OSU, OU, we would be fine. Even if we only had two non-conference opponents, there's no doubt we keep OSU. There's zero percent, like zero percent chance we wouldn't accept that deal. Um, yeah. The problem is they've, they've been they've just, been open they don't to want it. That. Yeah. OU has said we want to keep it going. OSU though, I think they're obviously pretty pissed. So, Mm -hmm. but I just don't, I just don't see a reality where we could have that, you know, if Nebraska kind of sub in to be our Oklahoma state that we lose just because there's no more bedlam anymore. Yeah. It's, it's probably not likely. And honestly, with honestly, from Nebraska's perspective, I don't know if they would go for it either given, you know, the additions to to the big 10 with, you know, USC and UCLA coming in. Uh, So it's probably neither are probably a super imminent reality, but it's still fun to talk about. Um, Honestly, I think our biggest rival or our biggest new rival probably going to be Arkansas, but that's a talk. Mm, No, no, no. Uh, I think Texas A&M might be a big, big, I think we point. might have two good ones. No, that's well, a I mean, terrible, we, well, obviously that's a terrible Texas. Too. We obviously have Texas. I cannot believe you guys are forgetting. No, A&M is not going to become a rival because they already have – they're excited for the return of Texas. Here's I don't think anyone else has ever said this. It's hot take calling it and out, but I think it has serious potential. Obviously, developing a, a serious rivalry takes decades and decades, but I think that you will start to see when we move to the SEC, I think we will gain a new rival. And it's going to be the LSU Tigers. They are close enough. There Hmm. is enough recruiting. We're sort of at the same. A lot of LSU fans will make the argument that they're at a higher level than OU. They're very cyclical. We're very sort of continuous, not at that level. But I think we're competing for a lot of recruits. We're close enough. It is a doable drive uh, to both places. And I think we'll end up playing a... I I, I think Arkansas, you know, you can say, oh, there might be a, a potential rivalry there. But... Arkansas, I think even if OU diminishes when we go to the SEC, is not going to maintain the level that we're going to be able to maintain. I really think OU-LSU is a potential uh, rivalry uh, that becomes like a nationally recognized rivalry uh, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road after yeah. our move to the SEC. Because I think there's yeah, going to be a lot of contention. There's a lot of cool history there. A lot of the times we've met have been in the playoff and the national championship, and it's just we're, we're so close. And we're so I like AM if they didn't already have a rivalry that they care much more about that they're gaining back. Cause we played AM a lot, you know, in the past when we were in conference opponents. And they were sort of rivals, but it was just a chippy game, you know, Arkansas, sort of similar. I guess some people consider that a rivalry, but I will die on my LSU potential new rivalry hill. And that one might be a better one than uh than OSU or than Nebraska, even. I think I think that the the 21st century OU Nebraska will be OU LSU. Because I, I God, I would love to see the Sooners. <laughs> I'm so excited to see the Sooners in Death Valley. That's going to be such a such an experience. We almost played them, and then they ducked out to play Texas. But that is going to be such a moment, um, without a doubt. And you know, like you said, you know, um, obviously some shared history from 03 to uh, 2019. Hell, going back to 1950 as well. We want a title off them. So obviously a lot of shared history there. Close enough. And, you know, just going down a list, I there's some good rivalry potential 
uh, on the western side of the SEC, you know, even Missouri, you know, who I, I, I know Ty is probably just like, screw Missouri. I don't even want them to be involved here. But, you know, Missouri, Arkansas, A&M, LSU is interesting. Obviously, Texas is still there. That's a way more interesting slate of, of rivals than the current Big 12 has, if you ask me. I think the level of competition has to be factored in. Though, yeah. you know, I, I think a lot of, you know, realistically, a lot of SEC fans expect us to drop off. Um, I would love for there to be some sort of developing rivalry with like the Mississippi schools, because uh, that was like Jameson always talks about the kids arguing in school. I mean, that was my high school experience <laughs> uh, going to a, a prep school in Mississippi. So uh, but I, I don't think that they're going to maintain the level of competition and they're not going to be battling necessarily for like the same four or five star recruits that we are I, there's really only one you know keeping with sort of the sec west uh, division and obviously we don't fully know what the sec is going to look like uh, when we get over there but i like that you slid in prep school to make everyone know you know didn't go to didn't go to well i don't want i don't want people <laughs> to kidding. think i i don't want people to think i went to a school that was developing said four and five star <laughs> oh my recruits. god oh no geez. no no, oh, no. i want to make it clear like we were we were like this podcast like the dudes arguing yeah. but like I wasn't like having this debate with like a, a five star that was committed to go play at Bama or Ole Miss or something, you know? Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Something like that. Uh, so that's why that's why I added that. That's of, all good. But, uh, it's all good. Uh, I did have one quick note before we went. Uh, yeah, of course. I looked up the news report. Nebraska's coach broke his leg on an aluminum bench. It says so in the news report, which is more embarrassing because aluminum is is much softer than a hardened wood. So. Uh, Bones softer than aluminium, as the Brits would say. Uh, R.I.P. Queen Elizabeth. There, hey, there you go. I, I almost opened up this pod with a moment of silence to, to Queen Elizabeth. but I You didn't. did by accidentally being on mute. At one point, yeah. Every mute every mute this season is dedicated to Queen Elizabeth. Why just have one moment of silence when you could have plenty scattered, scattered <sighs> throughout an entire podcasting career? But, oh, my God. Anyways, yeah, Jameson, any final thoughts on that? I know Ty and I kind of went back and forth a little bit. No, uh, I, I kind of, I, I kind of appreciate the whole rivalry talk at the end, even though you know it's the Nebraska pod. I think just looping back, kind of like the final point for this podcast, uh, it's it's going to be a lot of fun either way. Obviously, we um, have the opportunity to kind of go through the history, and I'm sure the big noon kick, kickoff will actually have some good stuff before as well, and. I really hope that Oklahoma can show out and put some pieces together that were lacking in the first two games. Now that we're on national television and the eyes are on us right now, uh, this is a time to go out and show out. Um, and whether that mean we put in new pieces like, you know, a Savion Bird, a left guard earlier in the game, or we um, play more Marcus major running back snaps. I I'm curious to see what will go moving forward. And hopefully we put on a good show for the national um you know, watchers in it I, with this team. I don't want to look too far in the future. I, I want to look good for those CFP voters um, that will be in the room at the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. That's what you do whenever you get whatever the other team doesn't hit, like put up their end of the bargain. You got to beat them like a drum. So anyways. Yeah, I would I would argue I'd, I'd rather us win and maybe have a winning record, but then not pass the eye test for the CFP because I, I don't know that. I want to see this OU team facing uh, the Georgia Bulldogs this year. Cause, cause that's where we disagree. Do not get me started on maybe, this argument. Maybe, maybe okay. we oh. are the first one out and we get to go whip USC or uh, Michigan 
in not uh, only in that, game. but but also like at this point, who's getting in? Like every like contenders for the playoff are dropping like flies. At this point, they just might have to send no, OU out mm. there. What are no. you talking about? I mean, even I, like the fringe guys. Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan can it's, do whatever the they four want spot. against it's, random. That people. four spot is like I have no idea. Like mm-hmm. uh, it's it's I don't know. Mm, and hell, Alabama, if Alabama doesn't turn it around, which you know they did last mm. year, they had that two point win. Or that two point win at Florida looked very unconvincing, but they obviously figured it out. If they don't turn it around like they did last year, I could see them losing at Arkansas. I could I could see him losing at a couple places along that uh, schedule. Clip that, clip that. But please. they probably will turn it around. So we'll see. Clemson, I bet Clemson squeaks in because they're in a, a group of five conference. They are in a Mickey Mouse conference. That could well, Miami, Miami maybe blows up a And M, adds that to their resume, and then wins uh, their their G five conference. They'll get exposed in the playoff, but it's it's, it's possible. Well, not only Kansas, that, Kansas is undefeated right now. Yeah, and Clemson's trip to to South Bend is not looking that tough, anyway. So, all right. Well, this was kind of fun getting into. Can you? This is great. Set of Vincent 06. Can you get Uncle Lou on as a guest? Oh, I'm all in on that. We, Jameson, you and I, were big fans of the uh, the good old. I don't well, know what was that college football college the, football the, scoreboard. Well, yeah, was and it? then Doctor Lou's segments, and then you'd have obviously the the court cases. The, this is just the court prime time right. TV. Don't even get me started on where college football TV has gone on. Joey Galloway just absolutely being a fool. Don't get me started. Let's just call this podcast before I say something bad about <laughs> this, his intelligence. Yeah, I'm gonna go on. A, so, I'm gonna go on a RG three. Stupid, horrible things. Yeah, and they're definitely they're definitely changing his his overall um, like win loss record on the point spreads. Because there's no way he has a winning record. He always Yeah, is. he's playing the villain now. They He's gotten so many people against him in terms of like his bad takes early on in his college football um, announcing career that now the producers are just like, okay, go crazy. Just say stupid stuff. Like USC's defense is one of the best in the country just after three pick sixes of against Rice. Like, okay, he looked like an absolute fool. You know, Stanford has a decent offense, but like, come on. Let's, let's just pump breaks here. Yeah, we need yeah. to save the CFB commentator chat for when Blake is on because I I want to just mention the name Marty Smith and hear him go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This this kind of devolved into just a general college football OU talk pod, but I thought it was I thought it was pretty fun. It was a, a good conversation, guys. So I think that's yeah. All we if have. you're listening right now, uh, go back and listen to the beginning of the pod. We talked some good Nebraska content. Yes. Yeah. No, if you're just now joining in, I know we have like a solid amount of uh, people popping in on live. Come back to this later. Let it let it render and load. We have a really solid Nebraska episode. I promise you it's there. Um, But thank you. Thank you all for tuning in live on YouTube. And uh, thank you all for listening in on your podcast feeds, wherever it may be. So we'd like to uh, thank you all for listening as always. And then uh, shout out to DraftKings. Shout out to Raycon and uh, shout out to our partners at TPPN. Uh, We really uh, appreciate it. So anyways, for me, Ty and Jameson, this has been the Schooner Pod. We will see you next week when we break down a big game against the Kansas State Wildcats. It's going to be fun. But until then, have a great week, everyone. Beat Nebraska and Boomer Sooner.